the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm glad you're back with us for another week, whether it be on 12-Ounce Sports Radio, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is you're listening to us, we're glad you're back with us. So we're going to dive into everything. We're just going to get right into it. We're going to go off with MLB Baseball because, let's be honest, it is the main sport happening right now. It is the main thing to talk about. The trade deadline is less than two weeks away. And man, could a lot happen between now and then. It's already started. If you don't know, the trade deadline, everything, it's already started. Andrew Kashner from the Orioles got traded to the Red Sox. They got their fifth starter. So they already are making their moves, trying to set up at least for a wild card spot. Because right now, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're hoping just for the wild card. Let's be honest. To catch the Yankees in first place would take... One, a huge winning streak by the Red Sox. And two, the Yankees to actually lose a consistent amount of games. Which it doesn't... The Yankees this year are the Red Sox last year. That's just how it looks. At least in the AL East. Baseball overall, overall, it's the Dodgers. The Dodgers are the clear cut above the rest. Cream of the crop right now. But the Yankees, they're right there. They're right below. They're smashing homers. They're doing what they got to do. Their offense is just... Redonkulous. They're they they just got like another outfielder, basically a base dealing guy. But I mean, they're making moves. They're already preparing for the postseason. Could hurt them in the long run, but you know who knows? They're looking for that other starting pitcher, and we're gonna touch on a few guys that might be wearing pinstripes by July thirty first. But right now, Red Sox fans, you're hoping for a wild card spot because you're nine and a half games back. You're three games out of the wild card. So let's be realistic here. The Red Sox already started. They got Andrew Kashner, you know, good fifth spot starter for them. Uh, Probably looks better than the fifth right now because Chris Dale looks terrible. Doesn't look like an ace. He looks lost out there on the mound. David Price has kind of been hit and miss, and now he's got his whole Dennis Eckersley situation brought up from two years ago again. Guys. Get over it. Hash it out. Stop taking shots. Price taking shots that weren't warranted after going through all the different things. Because Dennis Eckersley was asked in an interview about it. That's how it was brought back up. He didn't go into it too much. Price then decided to somehow further the back and forth and kind of fire a few extra shots over the bow that were kind of unnecessary. So guys, hash it out. Figure it out because you don't want in-house fighting. You want to do all your fighting outhouse. You want to just other teams. Focus on other teams. Don't focus on in-house. You don't need your baseball announcer and one of your top pitchers to be going at each other for no apparent reason. Like it's just it's been 2 years. Get over it. It's done. That's all I got to say about that. So, as you were saying, I'm going to go through at least, you know, 10 or so based on what I've been reading potential trades, guys that could be on the move. It's a big pitcher market this year. You're not hearing about a lot of major bats being potentially on the move. You're hearing a lot of big pitcher names. You've heard Scherzer tossed out. Marcus Stroman, Madison Bumgarner, 
Trevor Bauer. You got a lot of big pitchers with big arms and big impact that could be on the move, basically giving your team either a good shot at the playoffs or a great shot at a championship. So it just depends on who you get, what you give up, what the long you know run looks like. Because if you're a team like the Oakland A's, who have made a move also, are you making this move to make the playoffs? Or are you making it for a championship move? There are different ways to look at it. No offense to guys like Trevor Bauer, who's a great pitcher, but is he the guy that you get to go win the World Series? Or do you look for a Madison Bumgarner who has the experience, the postseason, you know, accolades, who's done it before? Do you get him and hope he can lock it down and hone in during the stretch and in the postseason run? That's where the difference is going to be. That's where the difference is made. You've seen it with other trade deadline moves. Certain guys come in and just completely change how a team's postseason run goes. So it'll be interesting. We're going to go through some of them right now because outside of that, the biggest thing that happened in baseball happened over the weekend. It's very moving, very touching. If you didn't see it, go back and just watch the highlights of the Angels going home. First game after the All-Star break. First game back after Tyler Skaggs passed away, sadly. And it's just, it'll cause tears. It'll... I don't even know how to describe it. It was just one of those moments that you will remember as a baseball fan. If you watched it, if you watched the highlights even, it will get to you. If you're a base, if you're a sports fan, if you're just a person, a person with feelings, it will get to you. I mean, they had Tyler Skaggs' mom throw out the first pitch. She threw a strike. Like it was, saw where he got his arm from. Mom threw a rocket right down the pipe. And then Mike Trout gets up, hits a home run, 454 feet. The significance being Tyler Skaggs were number 45. So a little eerie. So you're like, those are cool coincidences. Uh, that's nice. They had his mom throughout the first pitch. But then it got pushed up even more. The Angels combined to pitch a no-hitter. Like, that is some angels in the outfield type goosebumps causing situation. To have one of your pitchers pass away middle of the season, first game back home, you guys combine to reach and pitch a no-hitter. That's just, like, crazy. And then to end it all, every player is wearing a 45 on their backs. They all took their jerseys off and laid them on the mound. Like, ugh. It just gets to you. It makes you just... Sports can do things that other things can't. Sports causes moments, creates moments, has these things happen. And it's just... It gets you. Like, it's just... I don't know how else to describe it. It gets you. It's like D. Gordon after, um, you know, the passing of the pitcher, Fernandez... Back in, I forget, it was like two or three years ago. D. Gordon hits a leadoff home run, points to the sky. Like, those are just the things that gives you goosebumps. It's cool. You won't forget it. It's never going to be done again. 
the most memorable for me by far had to be 9-11, post-9-11, when George Bush came out, Yankee Stadium, throwing out the first pitch, you know, to kind of be like, not going to get to us. It was one of those moments I was only 11 or 12 at the time, but it was just kind of one of those things you know is important, you know is special. And it's not important in the grand scheme of things. It wasn't important like major history-changing event. But it was important for the people at the time to get a sense of normalcy back into their lives. I grew up in New Jersey. It wasn't that far away from New York City. So, you know, when it all happened, people I knew were involved. People I loved were involved. So it's just one of those things where it hits closer to home. Cool sports moment. So the people in Anaheim... The Angels organization, this hit super close. It was awesome. No other way to describe it. So if you didn't get a chance to catch it a week later, go back. Just watch the highlights. The Angels put together like a five-minute highlight reel. And it's awesome. So enough of the emotional stuff. You may have tuned out during that, but it's fine. We're going to get into potential two weeks until the trade deadline, what are some things we might see? I'm going to go through each of them. I'm going to see, you know, what could happen, what may not happen. And that's it. That's how it's going to work. I think it's pretty simple. So first thing you got to look at is Noah Syndergaard. So the Mets are a dumpster fire. If you're a Mets fan, I'm sorry. It's just a fact. The Mets are a dumpster fire. The Wilpons are terrible owners. Like, they just don't know how to run a baseball team. Most Mets fans would probably agree with that statement. So the thing with Noah Syndergaard is, Zach Wheeler was one of their trade pieces, along with Syndergaard. He's hurt now, so there's no way he is getting dealt. Because teams are going to want to take a risk on a potential injury-plagued trade asset who they need to help them in the stretch, and he's not there. Like, that's just not what they're going to do. So you look, you turn to Thor. You turn to Syndergaard. What do you think is going to happen? Honestly, I cannot see him getting moved. And it's not because the Mets don't want to move him. I think the asking price for him is going to be way too high for teams to be comfortable with. I mean, he's 26 years old. You know how good he is. And you just, you're not going to give that away for just a few good, decent level mid prospects. You're going to want two or three high prospects. You're going to want some other things in return. And I just don't think that it's going to, it's not going to happen. I mean, the Mets are going to take calls on Syndergaard. You know, they're probably going to take calls on Frazier or Jason Vargas, even maybe. But I can't see him getting moved. I can see other pieces on the Mets getting moved. But Syndergaard, I think at this point, is not going to be touched. Not because they don't want to move him, but I just don't see any GM being like, I will trade away a large chunk of my A prospects, B-plus type prospects for this guy. He does have an injury past. He has been hurt before. You know, as phenomenal as a pitcher as he is, he does have the injury prone to him. So we'll see. But he's a name that's been floated out there. I mean, it's one of the names that Yankees are connected to literally everybody. And 
it's just another name, but I don't see them being able to, the Yankees, I don't think have enough in the farm system, even if they wanted to take a run at them to get them. So we'll see what happens there. Then you have Trevor Bauer. Now, Trevor Bauer is an interesting case because Bauer isn't a free agent until 2020. So you're not just trading for this year. You're trading for him also next year, which means he's going to get a good haul back for him. And the Indians are a mid-level market team. Let's just be honest here. They're mid-level market. They're not going to be a guy that's spending, you know, big bucks on these huge name free agents. Bauer, when he comes becomes a free agent, will probably cost too much for them to withhold. And withhold, I mean retain. You know, words. Hard to come by sometimes. But yeah, he will be hard to retain. He's going to be a big guy to go after. He's a great pitcher. He's a good two, number two, three starter for your team, depending on who else is in your you know rotation. Now, if they move him, they're going to get, as I said, a good haul. But the interesting thing for the Indians is going to be, what do they do? Do they, you know, give up on this season? Because right now they're kind of in that middle ground where if they get on a good run, they might have a chance. Or do you just bite the bullet, don't necessarily rebuild, but you make sure you get a return for Bauer because he's already said, I'm going whoever's going to pay me. Like, the Indians aren't going to pay him. So, He's as good as gone at this point. You now have a team that could get a year and a half worth of him. So this isn't just a half season rental. They're getting another full season of him, which means the return should be greater. The interesting thing is going to be is teams had an opportunity to get Bauer this offseason. They could have made a trade with the Indians for him. Nobody bit. And if they did, whatever they threw out there wasn't good enough. So it'll be interesting to see what the Indians, if they do move him, get for him. I do think he, out of a lot of these pitchers, will be on the move. Him and the next guy I'm going to talk about are the two biggest names I could see actually being, you know, shipped out of where they're from. Because if you at least get rid of Bauer, it's one less big guy, big name that you got to get rid of and pay. This way, at least you get a return for him. Maybe... Just maybe than Indian fans, Francisco Lindor actually gets a contract from the Indians. Because let's be honest, the Indians, yes, they're a mid-market team, but maybe they'll be smart enough to be like, we're mid-market, we're not going to be shelling out the big bucks for a lot of guys, but maybe if you do it for just one guy, you do it for your all-star shortstop who's one of the best in the game. Like, you don't want him just leaving you and you getting nothing from it. Because guess what? Teams will pay him and be willing to give up a draft pick in the first round. Because when you look at top shortstops in the league, there's not a ton of guys that can do what Lindor does. So he's as good as gone unless the Indians decide to maybe open up their wallet a little bit, which is another thing that just drives me nuts in baseball. You have no salary cap. You have millions upon millions of dollars for these owners. Some of them are billionaires probably. And you're not willing to get your team to a level of competitiveness that they should be with homegrown talent. Lock Lindor up now. Like you could probably get a better value for him now than you will when his contract is up in a few years. 
Like, just lock them down now, long term. Give him a 10-year, $250 million contract. He will take $25 million a year. I can guarantee that. And the Indians, you can afford it. You're getting rid of a bunch of other guys who would cost a lot of money. Just do it. But that's not here nor there. We will cross that bridge when we get to it in a few years, when I'm still around, because you know I'm going to be, giving these stances out left and right. All right, so the next guy I'm going to talk about, the next big name who, if he is not moved, I will be shocked. You will be shocked. The whole baseball world will be shocked. And that's Marcus Stroman. I mean, he is getting interest from a lot of teams. And a lot thought this past weekend when he pitched against the Yankees, it was basically an audition. Because the Yankees seem to be the most interested, which I've never understood, at least from this aspect. If you're making trades, why do you make trades in your own division? Why are you going to let one of your best pitchers go to another team and just let them be better? I don't get it. The Red Sox and Orioles made the trade for Kashner. He's a fifth spot rotation guy. Stroman's a one-two guy. Like he's your ace or your second guy. So the fact that the Blue Jays are like, here, Yankees, potentially, take our ace is just, I don't get it. But one of the reasons why Stroman is such a hot commodity is just, if you look at his numbers, last year he had a 7.16 strikeout per, um, or no, this year he has a 7.1 strikeout per nine rate compared to last year's 6.77. He has, you know, his walks are better. His home runs are around the same. And then his ERA is much better this year than it was last year. Except last year, when you look at it, it was in the mid-fives. He wasn't as bad as his ERA said. But this year, clearly much better. He's around 3.25. So you're going to take that every time. But it's just going to be interesting to see exactly what happens. Because you need to get a return that's significant enough to cover a year and a third of his value. Then, you know, the the, the draft pick that he would get. Uh, also, if he hit the market as a Blue Jay. And then, you know, you just got to think, what is he worth to you as a team? Because he's definitely gettable. You will not find another pitcher on this market right now who is more gettable than Marcus Stroman for a top-tier pitcher. Like, the Blue Jays want to move him and get a good return. But they might not be looking for a ransom like Bauer or Scherzer for some reason. I don't know why his name still keeps getting brought up. The Nationals would be fools. Fools, I say, to get rid of Scherzer. But he is the most gettable pitcher, at least right now, on the market. At least in my opinion. Then you got to go look at other guys outside of Stroman, outside of the Bowers. You're going to have, you know... Madison Bumgarner, who who knows what's going to go on with him. Because if the Giants trade him, I'd be somewhat shocked because he has been the face of the organization now for the past five, six years at least easily. Like he's not somebody that you're just like, oh, it's been nice having him for a few years. No, like he has been the guy for you. And not only that, he is such a good National League pitcher that to trade him to the American League would kind of be a crime. And the reason being is, at least in the National League, he gets to hit. I know I think there should be a universal DH. If you want to find that one out, go back a few episodes ago. 
I know there should be, I think there should be universal DH, but if you're in the National League and you're a pitcher, be a Madison Bumgarner because he actually can hit. Like, it's just crazy. So to think that they would actually trade Bumgarner after everything he's done for them, the whole organization would be crazy. He seems like one of those guys that should just be in one uniform his whole entire career. Like you look at some of these other guys and you're like, okay, Stroman, I mean, he loves the Blue Jays organization. He loves Toronto. You can listen to interviews. He just loves the whole organization and country. But I could see him not staying in Toronto his whole career. He's a competitive guy. Not that Madison Baumgartner isn't, but he's also won some World Series. So he's already hit his accomplishments. He's already done what he needs to do. Just let him ride out his career in San Francisco. Because I can't see him going to, as much as I don't want this to sound wrong, San Francisco is a great city. You know, it's a decent-sized market team. But I don't see him doing well in a big market like New York because everybody's connected to New York. Like, I don't see him doing well there. I don't see him going to a big market team where the media is going to be a lot more intense and scrutinizing and being good and comfortable. He's comfortable in San Francisco. You know, he's got a good amount of media, but not too much where it seems overbearing and hard to handle. He uh, is comfortable there, you would have to at least say. And then, I mean, the only question really is, if he does leave, where is he going to end up? Because I guess you could also look at Minnesota, Milwaukee, the Astros, even the Phillies could kind of, you know, all make runs at him. And out of all those teams, I would go for Milwaukee or the Phillies because, as I said, he's a National League pitcher. Don't throw him into the American League. Unless somebody's blowing you out of the water with whatever they're offering, you hold on to Madison Bumgarner. He is the face of your franchise because right now you have him. You have, I guess, Pop, like Pablo Sandoval, or like the two most known Giants, Buster Posey. I always forget. I feel like Buster Posey retired, but then I remember it's Joe Maurer that retired. They just, they're, twi- they're doppelgangers. But back to the Madison Bumgarner whole trade situation, I would give it a 50-50 shot that he's traded. I'm going with Stroman and Bauer, 85% and higher. I think somebody will pay a King's Ransom for Bauer. I think somebody will pay a decent ransom for Stroman. Who those are going to be, I don't know. I just know that those two probably will because if you have a chance to make a playoff push and get both of these guys for another season, aren't you going to do that? Like, when you know they're proven. They have shown what they can do. Prospects haven't shown much. Prospects have never made it to the league. I don't care if the guy is going to be potentially one of your best players. He hasn't proven it yet. These guys have proven that they can be cream of the crop type guys. So you make the moves that you need to do. You don't deplete your farm system, but you put a dent in it at least. You do it for the team now. Because guess what? We live in a what can you do for me now society. And if you're a GM, if you're running everything in your organization and you need to put the best possible product on the field, you make the moves that you got to make. 
That's just how it is. There's a bunch of other relievers that you can talk about. There's always going to be arms that make a difference. But for starting pitchers, these are the guys that you got to look at. Like I said, there's really also not many bats. The only bat that like anybody's really talking about that could be a difference maker is Nicholas Castellanos, you know, the Tigers, because the Tigers are just awful. But he's batting 283 this year with 10 home runs and 35 RBIs. So he's not like a huge life-changing bat that you're going to trade for. But he's going to be a guy that you can get, put in your lineup in the 5, 6, 7 spot, and he's going to help. He's going to do some damage. He's going to get on base. And that's about it. I know I said like there's probably like 10 or so things, but you don't want to hear me talking about relievers. You don't want to hear me talking about all these different little guys that most of you probably have never heard of and just see where it goes. Because... If I threw out the name like Will Smith, you're thinking Men in Black. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about that Will Smith. He's a reliever. He's going to be one of the top relievers that people are going for. True baseball fans know that. If you're just listening to this casually and like you don't need it. You're If I say Will Smith, you're going to be like, oh, I am legend. Wild Wild West. Mr. Jim West. Desperado. Rough Rider. Like, that's what you're thinking. And that's fine. But so I gave you the big names, at least, what I think is going to happen. Because Syndergaard's not going anywhere. I'd be shocked if Bumgarner actually goes anywhere. I do think Bauer and Stroman, though. They leave. Don't know where, but they leave. And that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about for Major League Baseball. Because I've been doing this now for almost a half hour. And I'm sure you're tired of me talking about it. Because I just gave you like stats and thoughts. And I mean, that's what this is. This is my stance on sports. It's in the title. But 30 minutes of baseball is a lot. I will give that to you. It's like, are we even through the first inning yet? Possibly. There might be like two outs in the bottom. But that's where I'm going to take myself out of the game. All right. So let's kick it now for our first ad of the episode. Twin Spires. If you need to know about horse racing... Just check out Twin Spires. Ever watch a race like the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness and wonder, where can I place a bet to put on these horses? Look no further than Twin Spires. Twin Spires is your number one place to go for all your horse gambling needs. It's 100% legal everywhere, so you have no issues. If you want to go check out Twin Spires, make sure you head to 12 on Sports Radio. Click on the banner in the lower left corner to get a bonus that you can only get through 12 on Sports Radio. Because Twin Spires will give you what you want, when you want it, for all your horse betting needs. Twin Spires, go check it out. All right, now it's time to talk a little bit of golf. Yes, that's right, golf. Because it is the Open Championship at the Royal Portrush in Ireland. And honestly, it's not going so well. This seems to be at least the sound that's coming out of there the most right now. So yeah, things aren't looking so good for a lot of big names in the Open Championship. Now heading into this, if you asked me, who would you have picked to at least, you know, be towards the top of the leaderboard after day one? I probably would have said Brooks Kopka. Because, well, Brooks is just amazing. And I feel like I say his last name weird, but who cares? I would have said Rory because it's Ireland. Rory loves the Open Championship, always seems to play well. 
Uh, Francisco Molinari, the defending Open champion, you would think he's been playing well this whole year and the past few years. He'd be at the top. A lot of people were going with Tiger. One, not just because he's Tiger. But two, you know, he seemed to be taking this very seriously. He was looking good in warm-up rounds. People were like, you know what? He looks like this could be another one that he's going to be competitive in. Well, I can tell you one of those guys is competitive. And that's old Brooksy, who came out before the tournament and was asked about practice rounds and all these different things because apparently Tiger Woods had messaged him being like, hey, want to do a practice round together and got ghosted by Brooks. And Brooks simply said, well, I only do practice rounds for major tournaments, and that's really about the only time I practice. Like, I don't do practice rounds during regular tournaments because I'm just a boss. He didn't add that last part, but that's essentially what he was saying, right? Like, you can't say, I don't practice before ma- like before regular tournaments. I just kind of show up, and that's my game, and still win. But that's exactly what he does. That's just how good he is. And, you know, he's a few under par, so he's in the thick of it. He's in the hunt, as you would say. But you can't say the same for those other guys I talked about. No, no, you can't. Because right now you have guys like John Ram and Webb Simpson and Sergio even at the top of the leaderboard, along with uh, Brooks. But you know who's not there? Rory, Tiger, Francisco, Bryce DeChambeau, Phil Mickelson, Xander Schofield, guys that names are always towards the top at these majors have had abysmal, like abysmal first round. To put it in perspective, out of all those names I mentioned, the best score out of any of them is a plus three. And it gets worse. So Xander and Francisco and Bryce are all in that plus three, plus four range. It's not good. It's not good at all. Like, to put it in perspective, the best position they are in right now is tied for 99th. It just gets worse from there. Rory and Tiger, both, oh my, just awful. Just the worst. Rory started off this whole round with a snowman eight. Like, to put that in perspective... The first hole of my normal golf round, I get an eight. And I'm playing on courses that are wide open. Nothing's in my way. Not a tr- Like, I find trees when I golf. Like, I don't just hit it. I hit it so far left, so far right, that it hits a tree and you're like, where did the where did my ball go? I don't see a tree. Like, that's that's my golf game. Not It shouldn't be a professional's golf game. That's my golf game. Rory did what I did on one hole. I mean, it makes me feel fantastic. That means I one day could make the PGA. Like one day I could be out there hitting drivers into the crowd, apologizing, signing my name off gloves, and then being like, hey, that was your seventh hit off the tee box for this hole. Just stop playing. And be like, hey, I still have at least three more gloves to sign before this happens. But that's me. It's not Rory. Rory was supposed to dominate this course. Rory was supposed to be in the, you know, chances for this championship. Instead, Rory is almost dead last. That's right. Plus eight was not the worst. 
David Duvall shot a plus 20. So, you know, he did worse. And then there's only four other guys behind him. But the most surprising thing is they're all from, like, Ireland and Scotland. Like, they should be good at these courses. Tiger, on the other hand, he's a plus six. Like, just doesn't have it. I, you could blame it on the time he took off to spend with his family. He hasn't really been playing. But, you know, you kind of got the feeling that he might have a good, ch- good chance at least because he was posting videos starting like a, two weeks ago of him getting up at one in the morning, getting ready for the time difference. Like psychos do that. Tiger Woods does that. So, yeah, is Tiger Woods a psycho? A little bit. Phenomenal golfer. A little bit of a crazy person for getting up at 1 in the morning and just, like, hanging out. Seeing what the world's up to. Pretending like you're in Ireland already. Like, I would just deal with the jet lag. Pop some Red Bulls. I'm good. Not Tiger. Nope, he was like, I'm going to beat the system. Well, Tiger, the system beat you. This course beat you because right now, you will have to have a phenomenal, phenomenal, not good, not great, phenomenal second day to make the cut. I hope you do because I got you in my DraftKings lineup. So, you know, please. Like at this point, who knows what it's going to look like right now. I don't know what the weekend's going to look like, but you could have a lot of big names not there, which hurts TV ratings, but will make it a little more interesting of who's going to end up on top. So who knows what's going to happen here, but you got a lot of big names like Adam Scott, even I even realized was that low, like just a lot of big name guys who are basically already out, have no shot. But you got Brooks. And I guess at this point, that's all you kind of need because he's becoming kind of the new Tiger. He's the new guy that you're going to get, you know, a little nervous about if you have the lead. Because he can put up the big numbers very quickly and let people know he's coming for you. So I don't know who's going to win. I guess, I mean, I should just always put my money on Brooks. You should too. I mean, he's the new Tiger. If you don't think Brooks is the new Tiger... Tell me. Tell me who you think it is. Let me hear your stance on it because I don't really think there's anybody else. We thought it was going to be Spieth. We thought it was going to be Rory. They've faltered. Jason Day for a little bit. He got vertigo, though, all of a sudden. And, like, I mean, he didn't get all of a sudden, but, like, he has vertigo. So, it's just, who knows? But it's probably going to be Brooks. Brooks is the new Tiger. I said it. Because guess what? Know what Brooks isn't saying so far into this tournament? And that's why he's probably going to win the Open Championship. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. All right, now moving away from golf because, well, once I tell you that certain guys are doing terrible, what else is there to discuss? Right? Exactly. So we're going to move on to some NBA talk because as much as, you know, free agency is done with, there's really there's no big names left. There was a trade that went down last week after I'd already recorded the show. And man, I wish I got to talk about it a week ago. But here we are. I now get to discuss Russell Westbrook to Houston 
for Chris Paul. Now, first initial gut reaction was, whoa. Did they really just pull that off? How did they pull that off? Why did they pull that off? It made no sense to me at first. I mean, I get it. You get a little younger at point guard because, you know, there's a four-year, five-year difference between Westbrook and CP3. The money matched up, so you didn't really have to give up anything else. But the thing that confused me was with Chris Paul going to Oklahoma City, what was Oklahoma City I get was in a rebuild mode. Are they going to try to trade him? Are they going to buy him out? Because that's a big buyout. Russell going to Houston. Harden's already ball dominant, and Russell needs to be ball dominant. How's this dynamic going to work out? It, it was confusing. I'll put it that way. It was confusing. But now that I've actually had a week to simmer on it, really think about it, I'm coming around to it. I get it. You have two superstars now on your team, both in their prime years. Now, Chris Paul was a very good basketball player. Don't get me wrong, but he is aging and he is not able to get through a full season and playoffs healthy. He's just not. He went from a very good player to a pretty good player. Not that bad, but he's not a guy that you should be paying $40 million worth over the next few years. Like he's just not, it's crazy money to be giving him. Westbrook, totally get it. Averages triple doubles. He's been an MVP recently. He's led the league in assists one of the years or two of the years. Like, it makes complete sense of why you would basically just swap one for the other. Oklahoma City is in rebuild mode. The weird thing is, at this point, it sounds like Oklahoma City is going to have to keep Chris Paul, at least for the beginning of the season. They're not going to buy him out because that is a huge buyout to, you know, swallow. They really don't have any trade partners for him. Because again, nobody wants an aging point guard who is $40 million cost. You'd have to give up a decent amount of assets potentially to get him because you have to make the money work. And he can't stay healthy for a full season. Like every part of his game is slowly declining. And it's a shame, but I mean, it's just the natural case of an aging basketball player, unless you're LeBron James. Like that's just how it is. Happens to all of them. But again, he is not worth $40 million. Russell Westbrook, you can make the argument is. Especially when he signed it with Oklahoma City. He was their guy. He was the franchise at that point of signing that extension. Then they got Paul George and things looked like they were going to, you know, turn back around to when it was him and KD running the show type thing. And then it wasn't. It didn't pan out. And instead of, you know, trying to figure out somebody else to pair up with Westbrook, Oklahoma City basically bit the bullet and said, Let's go into rebuild mode. And I mean, they're not even a mid-market level team. They are a low-market level. Sorry, Oklahoma City fans, but it's just the fact. Like, you're not drawing in massive free agents. You're in the middle of nowhere in the country. Athletes want to go to the glitz and glamour, and that's it's just, it's just facts. It's why Memphis has a hard time. It's why, you know, L.A. Lakers and... The Nets and the Knicks are always teams that are talked about because they're big-time markets, big-time places. It's just facts of life. So they traded Westbrook. They got, you know, Chris Paul and a few other assets. The most important thing, though, is they didn't have to give up P.J. Tucker. They didn't have to give up Clint Capella. They didn't have to give up Eric Gordon to make this trade work, which is huge. 
Like this move makes Houston now back in the conversation of potentially coming out of the West. It's going to be hard because you have the Lakers, you have the Clippers, you have the Jazz, you have Houston, like you have the Nuggets, you have Portland. I just listed six teams that for most part are guaranteed playoff spots. You assume the Warriors get in there, that's seven. So you have one spot up for grabs. I don't know who it's going to be, but like the Western Conference playoffs are going to be amazing to watch this year. Because it's just duo star power against duo star power. Who's going to beat who? And it's going to be fun to watch. See, now you have this duo of Harden and Westbrook. They've already played before together. They've, you know, tried to make it work in OKC. It wasn't the same at that point. James Harden was option number three. He wasn't the James Harden. He wasn't the beard that he is today. He wasn't the, I'm going to dribble for 20 of the seconds and then see what happens type guy. So that's going to be a dynamic that they have to figure out. The one thing, the one thing that makes me hopeful for this team and these two working out is one, they'll probably kind of have a similar, you know, usage rate with how Chris Paul and James Harden were, where they're on the court for the beginning of the game about half the quarter and then they kind of are back and forth with taking breaks so they're both going to be rested so when the playoffs start and they're both going to be on the court more and more often together they really got to figure it out that's what you have the whole regular season to do because more likely than not you're getting into the playoffs like if Houston somehow missed the playoffs this year it'd be shocking so the thing that you can at least look towards as hope and it's not D'Antoni's system because who cares? Westbrook's not a three-point shooter. He's going to be the guy that's cutting in. Harden might have to be a little more off-ball than he likes to be. But the thing that you can look for is in the past few seasons, the guys to lead the league and assist have been Westbrook and Harden. Granted, they also are like at the top of the list for turnovers, but... At least with the assist being numbers being up there, you can see that they are not afraid to share the ball. Hopefully that stays the case. Because if it doesn't, if it turns into one of them needs to be option one and one of them has to be option two, it's going to get ugly in Houston really quick. Because Russ doesn't care where he is. Brody doesn't back down from nothing. Like, that man is as tough as they come, especially for the NBA nowadays. He will not, he wants to be the alpha. So him and James Harden need to figure out how to make that work. Because if they don't, they're not making the playoffs. And if they do, they're crashing and burning out in the first round. Now, depending on who they face, that might still happen. But if they figure it out, they're going to be a hard team to beat. Because if their three-point shooting's working, P.J. Tucker is still providing that tenacity on the inside, getting those rebounds, getting those steals. Clint Capella playing good defense. It's going to be a hard team to beat. It's, I mean, it's just facts. But I, I like the move now more and more that I think about it. I think they can make it work. I think it's something that, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. That's a guarantee. But I think overall, it's a good move. It's a bold move. But it's a good move. Now, the Chris Paul thing, I'm interested to see how that ends up playing out. If for some reason Oklahoma City just doesn't want to deal with them anymore, they can do a buyout. It's going to cost over $100 million. 
but then you would almost almost guarantee him to sign a vet minimum with the Lakers, which creates its own problems because of history in the past with Rondo and Boogie Cousins and guys that just don't like Chris Paul and how that would mesh. So who knows what would happen there. But he would be an interesting bought-out free agent to see where he ends up. I couldn't give you a guess of where. For all I know, he'd sign with the Warriors and they'd go four guards and Draymond once Clay comes back, which you never know with them. They might just pull out the weirdest thing possible. But that's the big NBA news, at least for now. I need to talk about it. need to get that out there. It's been a week in the making. And before we get to some quick hits and some wrapping up stories, we're going to take another quick break to hear about how you can get cheap tickets by visiting 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Did you know a recent NBA basketball ticket on 12 Ounce Sports Radio was only $5? That's right. You can buy event tickets on 12 Ounce Sports Radio for extremely low prices. Go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on the menu and browse. You won't believe how easy and inexpensive it is to attend your next event. So be sure to go to www.12OunceSportsRadio.com and click the event tickets page on our site. Alright, before we get into some quick hits, the only other thing I want to talk about is just the weird, weird way the Tour de France lost a racer. Now normally, you know, you have looked through the Tour de France and it's gone on for 116 years. And racers have done some weird, weird things. They've jumped on trains, they've fought with fans, they have done a lot. But Rohan Dennis, who is the time trial world champion, just disappeared. Like, he's not lost, he just vanished. Like, he just, he was supposed to be there, he was supposed to do the race, and he wasn't. And the weird thing is, like, they're a stage away from some short trial part where he would have been a favorite, and it's very confusing, and nobody could find him for a while. And then he just showed up at, like, the end of the race. For at least this section, I should say. Because the Tour de France is many days. But he just showed up, gave no rhyme or reason, didn't tell his team what was going on, just showed up and said, I'm out, essentially. So that's bizarre. Like, I can't imagine. One, if you're a world champion in anything, no matter how bad it's going, finish what you started. Like, unless he's hurt, which it doesn't sound like he is, or any of these other things, finish it. Cyclists, you don't get a lot of attention. The biggest the Tour de France was was during Lance Armstrong's run in America. Like, across the other parts of the world, maybe it gets huge, huge coverage. Not so much here in the U.S. So, you know, this is one of the few times to shine in front of the American people. You don't care. I know. Why would you? But, like, at least become a recognizable name across the whole world. But instead, you become a recognizable name because you just vanished and you threw a hissy fit, it sounds like. So just bizarre. Just a weird, weird incident. And, you know, probably will never be done again. I mean, he didn't really do much. He just didn't appear. And nobody knew where he was for hours. So they probably could have sent out, like, you know, maybe a missing person thing. But they didn't. He's fine. He showed up. 
you just people think there may have been a fight somewhere. Who knows? Just a weird thing, though. Just a little tidbit. Just a little culture for all of you out there. I don't know who's leading the Tour de France, but I know who didn't show up for it, and that's Dennis. And Dennis did not show up for it. Because, I don't know, he wanted to be a menace. Oh, I hope you see what he did there. If not, whatever, it's a dad joke. I don't care. But still, it's a little culture for you before we get into some football, which is basically just, you know, a Neanderthal sport that we love. Oh, it's so great. All right, so here's quick hits. All right, so football is in the air, and it is mile high. That is right. Training camp officially opened, at least for the Broncos, so it is football season officially. We can start talking about predictions, what we think is going to happen. We won't today. Don't worry. I'm probably going to have one whole episode dedicated to just football preview. Maybe I'll try to get some people actually on so you don't just hear my predictions. Because, well, let's be honest, we know. You don't want to just hear my predictions. You want to at least have a few other people that you can point a finger at and go, wrong. Wrong, wrong. You were right, but you were wrong. So, don't worry. I'm going to do that for you. But for quick hits at least today, training camp has started in Denver. You had the veterans and rookies report. The only other team that has anything reported so far is the rookies for the Saints reported. But football's back. Oh, it's good. And with football being back, you know what that means? EA Madden ratings. Because EA Sports. It's in the game. Nailed that impression. Spot on. Didn't have to pay anybody else to do that. That was all me. I am a voice genius. So, of course, every year with EA Madden coming out, you know, the ratings come out and all this stuff, and people just lose their minds. I don't get it. They get so mad, but I guess, like, if you think you work really hard and you think you're cool and you think you're the best out there, maybe you have a reason to get kind of mad. But, again, one, you can change your ratings in-game. So when you're playing, you can make yourself a 99. Or, you know, during the season, they update it. So if you play really well, your rating will get bumped up and it will show. Such as Emmanuel Sanders. For the Broncos, is rated an 89 in speed. And he's like, come on, you did me dirty, but I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, just take that mindset. Don't do what Demarcus Lawrence did for the Cowboys. Now, mind you, Demarcus signed a five-year, $105 million contract this offseason. You would think he'd be pretty happy about that. Like, nothing could be done that could get him down about it. You could say the Cowboys aren't going to perform well. He won't care because he's going to get his money and he's going to get his sacks. Like You could say a bunch of things, and he should not care. He's getting $105 million. Not being ranked as a 90 overall or higher in Madden apparently gets him angry. He was an 89. Whoop-de-doo. Like you're still almost, like, have a good week one and you'll be a 90. But he got so offended by it. That he called people to boycott the game. As his tweet said specifically, Hold up, EA Madden NFL. You're not just going to disrespect me like that with an 89 and get away with it. Put some respect on my name. Until then, Cowboys Nation is on Madden strike. 
Retweet Dallas Cowboys Nation. Show them we ain't playing. Come on. Really? Is that what is that what we're gonna do? We're gonna boycott Madden? Uh makes no sense. It does it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's to stop. Alright? Then you have guys like Keenan Allen who are joking with Madden at least. But overall, there are some guys like Demarcus who have gripes about their rating, and it just it makes no sense. It makes zero sense. Some of them are just plain funny because there are some players who don't even know, like you never even heard of, never once talked to, like Case uh, Kansas City's backup, like to the backup quarterback is I think his name is Chase Litton. Is a forty-five in his business. I was like, I don't even know forty-five was a number you could get in the game. Well, it is Chase, and that's what you are. You're a forty-five. There are punters who have apparently better throwing stats than you. But he's not mad about it. He's not asking for a boycott of the game. Because it's a game. It's a video game, Demarcus. There's plenty of others out there. It's just funny that I just had to get that one out there because it's... Come on. Other things with quick hits. uh, You definitely have to look at Baker Mayfield calling out Giant fans. Over mistreatment of Odell Beckham Jr. Now, this is where I get confused. Clearly, Baker didn't pay attention to Odell when he was in New York because Giants fans loved him. The media wasn't the best with him, but Giants fans were pretty happy about having Odell Beckham Jr. Most were sad. But as Baker said, he's here to play in front of fans who actually care, who will actually show up to every game and pack the stadium and love him for who he is. They loved him for who he was. They loved him for his spectacular catches. They loved him for all of it. It was the front office. It was the media who didn't. So come on, Baker. Do some research and realize the fans loved, you know, they loved Odell. They did. Don't try to rouse things up. Don't. There's not going to be like any rivalry between you and the Giants. It's just not going to happen. So besides the Baker thing, which is a non-thing, like let's just, it's just not. It's not going to be anything else. He just did, he got, he wanted people riled up. Baker is a winner and he's a pot stirrer. And he stirred the pot, people started drinking it, and that's all there is to it. Now speaking of pot stirrers, you really think I was going to go another week without a really skip? Hit the music. Okay, 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 yeah. I couldn't go another week without a really skip. And this one, it wasn't, you know, it didn't do anything. Just It just tickled me. Oh, it made me laugh. He tweeted out that Jason Garrett was invited to Bill Belichick's home in Nantucket. Super Bowl preview, clearly. <laughs> ah, Skip, you're adorable. Like, you really think that's a Super Bowl preview? The only way that's a Super Bowl preview is, is if Jason Garrett is Bill Belichick's water boy. That's it. That's the only way it's going to happen. 
The Cowboys aren't making it to the Super Bowl. Dak's not leading them to the Super Bowl. Zeke is probably going to hold out because, well, he can. He's going to be suspended half the season anyway because he's just going to do something dumb. He's going to take drugs. He's going to do another thing that's stupid. Who knows what it is? It's just going to happen. So it's cute. It's adorable. Every time you talk about like the Spurs, who I do actually like. I don't hate the Spurs. I hate the Cowboys. And by the Cowboys, I really just hate and disdain Cowboy fans. One specifically named Skip Bayless. You can think if you want. It's a Super Bowl preview. You can have that hope. But after about week four, week five, you're going to realize it's not. It's not a preview. It's Next year it might be because Jason Garrett will be fired. And the Cowboys will have a new coach. And Garrett can go join the Patriots, you know, coaching staff. And he'll have a great shot of winning at least a game in the playoffs. And seeing what it's like to have postseason success. And he'll do it by saying, Mr. Brady, here's your water. Here's your Gatorade. Here's your Powerade. Whatever it is they serve on the sideline. And here's a high five for you, sir, because you deserve one. That's about the only way Jason Garrett and Bill Belichick are ever going to be at the Super Bowl together. Involved in the game in any sort of way. That's it. But Skip, you gave me a good laugh. You gave me a good chuckle, and I know it's your week off, and you're not really tweeting that much, but this one, this one was nice. So thank you. Thanks, Skip. Skip, really skip, will wrap everything up for the week. Thank you again for tuning in. Again, you can find me on Twitter at SportsStance underscore, the SportsStance on Instagram and Facebook. I want to hear your stances. Let me know what you're thinking. You know, over the next few weeks, we'll get more into football, more into baseball. Hopefully, Skip comes back with some great tweets that I can just lean into. But until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy your time off if you have it. If you're working, just enjoy listening to me. Download this on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, go to 12 on Sports Radio, support them. It's a great group of guys over there. Support the shows over there. They got shows going all the time. It's really just a great place for all your sports needs. But besides that, that'll do it for me for this week. Again, I'm Greg, and this has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Dance.